welcome to Dauber Prospects Radio, episode 64. I'm your host, Peter Harling. And uh, this episode, we're going to be taking a look at Central Scouting's preliminary rankings for the NHL Entry Draft were released the other day. Uh, so I'll go over who I think my top 10 are in a very loose order. Uh, then I'll also do uh, a little bit of follow-up on uh, the last episode. Uh, Elon from Keeping Carlson caught that episode and invited me on as a guest to the Keeping Carlson show as a special episode for that. So thanks, Elon, for having me on there. If you missed that episode, uh, I think it was pretty fantastic. So uh, you probably already subscribed to Keeping Carlson, but if you don't already, hop on there and check it out. So to follow up on that, what I was thinking about doing today was going through each team and picking off a prospect or a player that I think is a sleeper pick or a fantasy pick. Some of the percentage ownership on fan tracks for these players ranges anywhere from like 1% to 60%. So there's a there's a wide spectrum of players and it's all based on how I think their opportunity looks this season. So they might not be the player in that particular franchise's organization with the most upside, but uh, they might have an immediate impact on your fantasy season uh, to some capacity. Then I'll be joined by my guest, Julie Robenheimer, a little bit later, and she has graciously enough uh, consented to coming on as a guest, and she's going to help me out with some insight on NCAA. As I've mentioned in the past couple recent episodes, in Canada, it's hard to get some exposure to NCAA, but Julie being the uh, the prospect expert that she is, uh, lives in the United States and has the opportunity to see a lot of college hockey. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to chatting with her uh, later on uh, about some NCAA prospects because uh, I think you, the listener, want to hear it. And I know I want to hear it because uh, it helps me make decisions in my own fantasy league. So starting off, let's take a look at uh, some things coming up in Don Dauber prospects as well. Uh, if you may not know that Dauber prospects has an editorial schedule and in the summer, uh, I talked a lot about the 31 and 31 series that we run with features on, on each team each day of, of the month. So that fills up the content over the summer really, really well. If you missed any of those, I highly recommend going back and, and taking a look at them. The writers do a lot of research on them uh, and they, they follow their teams all year. So they already have a lot of ingrained knowledge already. Uh, and then once the season kicks off, we change into a monthly four-week calendar. Week one focuses on Canadian Junior, week two, the United States, week three, Europe, and week four, fantasy hockey. And to break it down even more, on uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday each week, we release the following articles. So week one, it focuses on the CHL, and the Monday is OHL, written by Lucas Main, and then Wednesday is the WHL by Joel Henderson, and The Q by Nick uh, Kaka. And in week two of the month, we shift focus to south of the border. And Monday, we talk about uh, the AHL, and that's uh, penned by Kyle Stewart. Our NCAA writer is Sam Stern. Sam, if you're listening, I might have to get you on the podcast to help me out with the NCAA content here. And then uh, USHL is covered by fantasy expert Chris Wassel. Week three, we shift focus to Europe. We've got the SHL. The KHL comes out on Wednesday by Alex Nunn. And Liga is by Juha Rapinen. And then our fourth week, which is focus on fantasy or kind of potpourri. Uh, it's Monday is NHL draft uh, content by Hockey News uh, Steve Ellis. 
And then we go to uh, analytics on Wednesday and Mason Black, the creator of NHL Ranking, who was on a previous episode, which was fantastic. Uh, he does our analytics slant every uh, fourth Wednesday of the month. And then finally, we have a prospect mailbag that covers all of your fantasy prospect questions. Uh, that's covered by Chris Wassel. Uh, Chris, maybe you need to come on the show with me. You can help me out with some USHL content, and maybe we can do uh, uh, a mailbag content together. Uh, this time of year, some people will have some questions about should I keep them, should I drop them, etc., etc. Uh, so maybe I'll have to have Chris Wassel on as a guest. All right. So that's some things to look forward to. Uh Let's dive into the NHL Central Scouting Preliminary Player to Watch list. Uh, like I said, it was just released the other day. You can find that on NHL.com. And they break it down into categories ranked by letters. Uh, players ranked with an A grade are projected to be first-round picks. They had 26 players designated with a first-round moniker distinction at the preliminary ranking. So that leaves them some wiggle room to make some changes from players to move play their way up from a C or a B uh, into the A and get drafted in the first round. I found it was interesting that this year it's a little bit more uh, North American heavy than it has been in the past previous years. While the top end of the draft does have some certain European flavor in it for sure, especially in the top 10, uh, of the 26, um, eight are from the OHL, uh, four from the Q, four from the Dub, uh, three from the United States, the NTDB and NCAA, Th only three from Russia, two from Sweden, only one from Finland, and we got another German uh, squeaking into the NHL first round as Germany has kind of been turning into a bit of a hockey factory lately. Uh, don't sleep on that. Uh, so taking a look at how the rankings break down, uh, I haven't really had a lot of opportunity to see a lot of these players play. Um, focused mostly last year on draft-eligible players, but it was hard to miss guys like Lafreniere and Byfield when they were playing, especially on international tournaments. I uh, got to see a little bit of the Holinka tournament, so that has been my main exposure to seeing these players. And then, uh, of course, just looking at some other rankings and uh, listening to some other pundits' comments on them. So the number one guy, Alex Lafreniere from the Q, um, even though he's a winger, uh, I think he is the current number one ranked on just about everybody's list. He's got 19 points this season in eight games. Um, he doesn't really seem to have any holes in his game. And I think he's going to have a monster season. He's going to represent Canada at the World Juniors. And, uh, you know, so hopefully he has a, a really good, healthy season and um, holds on to that number one position. Uh, some of his biggest competition, pun intended, is coming from Quinton Byfield. Big center from uh, Sudbury in the OHL. He's uh, 16 points in seven games, so he is right on pace pretty well with Lafreniere. Three points less and one less game played, so that could balance itself out. Uh, really like Byfield. He's a center as opposed to a winger. Uh, he gets a lot of comparisons to Eric Lindros, only he's a better skater because he's a really big power player. Um, but despite uh, being a big size, he doesn't have the... Um, the hands of stone that a lot of the, the larger players have. The, the guy's got uh, soft, soft mitts. Um, he can handle the puck in close. He can carry it uh, with speed and skating. Um, doesn't really seem to have any glaring holes in his game. Um, so I think he projects real, real strong to the NHL level. Uh, coming in at number three, based on mainly reputation, Anton Lundell. He is uh, finishes uh, Finland's representation in the first round. 
He's a center winger playing in the uh, in the Liga. He's four points in eight games, and that's, again, a pro men's league. Uh, number four, believe it or not, I have a goalie, um, Yaroslav Askarov. Uh, he is a Russian phenom goalie, dominated uh, for Russia at the Holinka, and uh, he's playing in the, the VHL this season. Uh, he is the real deal. He is one of the best goalie prospects to come along and... Um, no one is no one is uh, shy about their love for Askarov. Number five, going to the blue line, back to the O, Jamie Drysdale, Erie Otters defenseman. He's got himself 11 points in seven games. That's over a point a game production as a defenseman, as a draft eligible. Last time I checked, that was pretty good. He's clearly the number one ranked defenseman in this draft. Number six, uh, Germany, Tim Stutzel. He's a forward. Uh, playing in their pro league, and I believe it's the same thing that uh, Moritz Cedar played for last season. Uh, he's got himself eight points in nine games. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing him uh, represent Germany, who will be back at the World Juniors. Thank you to Moritz Seider, uh for that push last season. Coming in at number seven, we go to Sweden and Alex Holtz. He's a uh, right wing, left wing uh, forward playing pro hockey in Sweden, the SHL. He also has four points in eight games. Uh, back to the O, Cole Perfetti looked real strong for Canada at the Halinka. Uh, prolific score center playing for Saginaw in the OHL. He's got 11 points in eight games. Um... Maybe I'll have to ask Julie about Dylan Holloway. He is a draft-eligible player, University of Wisconsin. I really don't know very much about him at all. He hasn't had a game yet this season, uh, as their college season hockey is just getting underway. Uh, so uh, I'll be sure to stick around and listen to what uh, Julie has to say about Dylan. And then cracking my top 10, Hendrix Lapierre, uh, center out of the queue, playing for Shakutami. He's point-a-game player after six games. Uh, he looked really good for Canada too. He, he impressed me. So by virtue of that, uh, he squeaks in to my top 10. Uh, if you like this podcast and you like hearing about draft eligible prospects, I highly recommend hockeyprospect.com. Uh, they are doing uh, a podcast this season that's a little bit more dedicated to this. Typically what they've done is they've just been guests on Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Russ Cohn, and they just take clips from that and post that as, as their their content but uh they'll be actually doing their own created content hosted by mark edwards with a couple of their other scouts and they've had a couple episodes um they do a little bit of talking about uh how to be a scout and they're offering a a class on how to become a scout which i think is brilliant and fascinating and there is a massive appetite for that out there so that is the team at hockeyprospect.com a couple episodes ago i did uh so you want to be a you want to be a scout or a writer and that episode resonated i think with a lot of listeners i got a lot of really good feedback on that so uh paying this forward to hockeyprospect.com draft class and draft analyst two other uh podcasts i've talked a lot about on this show that um do really good job of covering the nhl draft they uh they're uh two they're the two best uh and now add hockey prospect to that as well uh speaking of podcasts if you're looking for uh an ahl podcast that's been a bit of a void and uh patrick williams has uh filled that void he is the very best at covering the ahl and he has started a podcast uh with the radio voice for the belleville senators uh his name escapes me at the moment i do apologize about that uh it's called around the a 
and uh, they have a couple episodes up right now. Uh, check out Patrick Williams on his Twitter feed for links to it uh, until it becomes up and available on a wide variety of platforms like this one is on Apple Music and Spotify and SoundCloud, etc. Uh, another hockey podcast that I just caught on the weekend that I absolutely loved is uh, my guest's Julie Robinheimer on this episode. She's just started a podcast as well called Not Your Normal Hockey Podcast. And the first two episodes were, I thought, really, really interesting, very fascinating. And again, how I talked about the previous episode that, uh, so you want to be a scout and how to get into the business and some some tips and tricks, even though I'm, I'm not in the business, uh, but Julie is. This is her day job. This is what she does for a living is traveling to games and watching hockey and, and writing about it and now podcasting about it. So she shares some way more valuable and <laughs> validated experience and, and stories. And if you're like me and you're trying to, to crack that nut and, and be a made man in the hockey industry, uh, like Julie is, then um, there'll be some, some really good tips and some fun anecdotes that you'll be able to relate to as well if you're as passionate about hockey as we are. Uh, so that covers the preliminary ranking top 10, uh, for me from the NHL draft. Now let's move on and talk about, uh, a player from each team. Uh, so we'll go in alphabetical order. We'll start with the ducks and I'm already cheating. I got two, uh, Troy Terry and Max Jones. Uh, Max Jones is a prospect I really like. I got to see him play a lot with the Kingston Frontenacs after he was traded from London to the fronts for their playoff push. Didn't go real well for the France. They, they made it far, but they didn't win. Uh, but I really like Jones. Uh, if you don't know much about him, he's one of those uh, Marchand or Brennan Gallagher type players. He's an agitator. Uh, he likes to piss the other team off. He's got super fast wheels. Um, so he's an agitator. He can absolutely fly. And I think those are two really valuable uh, commodities in the NHL. Plus, he's not bad offensively, and he's very dangerous shorthanded. Uh, he's only 12% owned. Troy Terry, you know him very well from his shootout fame. Uh, he's 27% owned in fan tracks. These guys are line mates with Adam Henrique in a top six role for the Ducks. Uh, and as I mentioned on a previous episode, the Ducks are really moving in a uh, kind of a retool, rebuild youth movement. I wouldn't say they're they're rebuilding. Um but uh, they are certainly going to be giving quality ice time to young players, and it looks like these are two players that are going to be the benefactor of that. Moving on to Arizona, uh, Barrett Hayton looks to be cracking the lineup. Uh, Lawson Krause has a uh, minor injury, so it looks like an injury may open up an opportunity for uh, the Coyotes' first-round pick from two drafts ago. He's penciled in on a line with uh, Dvorak and Schmaltz, so that are those are relevant fantasy-relevant line mates, and he is only 31% fan track zoned. So he hasn't played a game yet, so he doesn't have any stats, but uh, this is a player, I think, um, if, if you're looking for someone you might want to add to your roster, he might be a good get him while he's, while he's hot. Uh, Boston Bruins, um, I like Carson Kuhlman. Got, uh, I got hip to him in the playoffs last year. I liked what he brought to the team when he made it. He's got super wheels, uh, and I think he's got a pretty decent offensive upside. Uh, depending on where you look, he's lined up this season with either Lindblom or Heinen or Krejci and DeBrusque. Uh, so obviously I think the Krejci and DeBrusque 
uh, deployment is a little bit more benefactory, but uh, I wouldn't count on that season long. Um, I think he's more of a, a bottom six kind of player, uh, defensive zone assignments, and they'll hope that his uh, his speed translates there. He's 15% fan tracks owned. Uh, moving on to the Buffalo Sabres, and here is my first really well-known player, uh, Victor Olofsson. Uh, didn't talk about him on Calder Candidates on my last episode. Kind of got overlooked there, but uh, but don't sleep on that. In fact, he's 60% Fantrax owned already, so his ownership is going up rapidly. He's got two points in two games, and he's been playing on a line with Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhart. So, and this is a player who I spoke about on Keeping Carlson podcast, and my thought there was, well... It's tempting to look at a player that has uh, a good call-up at the end of the season or a good preseason, and Olsen had both of those. Uh, it's, it's risky business to add players to your roster based on that small sample size. But that's okay with Olsen because if you look at the bigger picture and how he's been trending over the last entire calendar year, he had a breakout season in the AHL last year. And when he got calls up to the big club in the NHL, he did not look out of place. He played very well for Buffalo. So this is an opportunity, I think, where, you know, in some cases, prospects and rookies, uh, they get a, a look in the first seven or nine games or whatever at the start of the season, and then they're banished back to junior or down to the AHL or into a bottom six role at, at best case scenario. Occasionally, you have a guy who sticks and plays the whole season, like uh, the Kachucks did in Calgary and Ottawa. Um, so they had a much, much better pedigree than Olsen, but... As long as Olsen keeps producing the way he's been producing, and I don't see any reason why that's going to change, uh, he's going to stick on that line and play there all season, and I think that makes him a pretty legit candidate for the Calder Trophy. Um, I'm coming around on Elon's point. He challenged me on that a little bit on, on their show, and I said, no, 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 he's he'll be good to stay there all season, and, and Elon was like, well, you know, I, if it was a long shot bet, it'd be a good bet, and I think he's right. Uh, moving on to the Calgary Flames, they have a pair of defensemen who uh, I think are going to be playing a lot of games for them this year, and that's prospects Rasmus Anderson and Oliver Shillington. Um, they are paired together in a third pairing, and they're 22 and 11% fan tracks owned each. Uh, so barring in a, a trade or anything like that, I think at least one of these guys is going to play the entire season on the Flames, uh, and both of them should, should see a lot of games. For the Carolina Hurricanes, I still don't know how to pronounce his name right. I've heard it so many different ways. I'll just call him Martin Nechash. Uh, he's only 37% fan track zone. He's a first-round pick from the Canes a couple seasons ago in Chicago. Uh, he's been playing on a line with uh, Ryan Dezingle and Eric Halla. Their deployment has been about 11% together, which is uh, pretty good. Uh, played last season in the, uh, in, in the AHL and uh, helped lead the Charlotte Checkers to... Um, a Calder championship in the NHL. Um, so I don't know how much he has to learn playing in minor hockey anymore, and I, I do believe he is ready for prime time. The Chicago Blackhawks. Um, wow. So Alex Nylander is a player that I owned this summer in my fantasy league, and when I was at the draft, uh, I had exposure to some pretty prominent prospect uh, writers and experts like Shane Malloy and Russ Cohen and Ainsley Scott, and I had them look over my roster, and when I brought up the name Alex Nylander, they all kind of made a meh face to me. Um, 
couple of them flat out said, uh, trade him now if you can and get whatever you can for him. Um, kind of hinting towards he's going to be a bust. So I did. I traded him. I can't remember exactly what I got for him now. It was part of a bigger deal, I think. And uh, then he gets traded to Chicago, and now he's being deployed with Taves and Kane. And he's only 46% Fantrax owned. Uh, so if he's playing with Taves and Kane all season, he's going to be great. And that kind of hurts my life a little bit. But, uh, hey, for all you out there, uh, here's an opportunity for you to, to uh, scoop up a player I think is going to have uh, a fantasy impact this season. For Colorado, I was going to talk about Kale McCarr, of course, because he's a very sexy file, but uh, he's like 99% Fantrax owned, so um, it's kind of a waste of time. So I looked a little bit further down the depth chart, and I came across Ryan Graves. He's playing with Connor Timmons. He's got two points in two games, and he's only 5% Fantrax owned. I'm not certain that he's going to be able to hold on to a roster position all year in the bottom six, and he's certainly not going to be able to maintain a point-per-game status. Uh, But Graves is a player who I've kind of had my eye on. I had him on my roster or watch list in a couple different leagues from time to time. He's come over from the New York Rangers, played really good for them in the AHL, uh, and he is certainly a player who I think has the ability to play the full season there. Uh, So this is a, a, a deeper league opportunity. And at 5% Fantrax owned, he should be available in, in, in that situation. Uh, with Columbus, uh, Alex Texier, a player who's gotten a lot of lip service on my podcasts lately, but he is still only 56% Fantrax owned. Uh, he's set to be on a line with Wenberg and Bjorkstrand, and he came over at the end of last season, played uh, a little bit at the end of the season, played a little bit in the AHL. Uh, played a little bit in the NHL playoffs, uh, and he looked pretty good all over. Uh, so I think it's considering the amount of players that Columbus lost in the offseason to free agency, uh, you can count on Texier being uh, regular in the lineup all season long, uh, as much as you can when uh, Tortorella's the coach there at least and, and his love for the kids. But 56% owned, uh, it could be a free grab in your pool, definitely worth it. Dallas Stars. Uh, Rupe Hints has been one of their best players all season long. Uh, I was making the drive back from Ottawa Sunday night listening to uh, the Dallas-Detroit game, and uh, the play-by-play commentator guys were saying that he has definitely been their best player in that game. Uh, he's been deployed with uh, Matthias Janmark and Joe Pavelski, so pretty decent line mates there. Um, three goals in three games. He is 73% Fantrax zone, so most of you don't have the option to pick him up, but uh, look him up. Uh, he could definitely be a great add if uh, if he's available in, in your part of the 26% he's available in. Uh, so their opponents that night was Detroit, and I heard the name Hronik a lot. Uh, in the play-by-play he was getting deployed with uh, DeKaiser and on the power play with Green he's got two points in two games 66% owned I think there's a lot of opportunity um, for someone to step up and be a leader on the Detroit blue line I think it's a little late in Green's career for that and I think Hronik is the guy that's going to do it Um, so if you're looking for a potential future top pair or current top pair defenseman Hronik could be your guy Edmonton Oilers were difficult to find a player that I thought would be considered a prospect or available or relevant. So the guy I came up with is a player I really don't know anything about. Uh, I did a little research on Gaetan Haas. He was signed as a free agent in the offseason. He's been playing with Granlund and Thomas Yurko. He's only 1% Fantrax owned. 
He's got only one point so far this season, but it's very early. The fact that he does have at least a point. If you're in a super duper deep league and you just need a guy to fill in a roster spot for you, uh, this might be a guy who he's got minor eligibility, of course, and he'd come at uh, a very cheap cap hit. So, um, you know, throw a dart at him. Who knows what happens? Florida Panthers, Dryden Hunt is my guy there. Uh, he was a, I think he played overage and was signed as a free agent by the Florida Panthers a few years ago. He has been developing in the AHL for them, and it looks like this might be his year to crack the top six. Uh, he's got some competitions with guys like Jace Howerluck to stay in, in the lineup and some other up-and-coming prospects. So I don't think this is potentially a long-term play, but he's playing in a bottom six role with Noel Achari and Colton Sevier. Uh, he's got one point so far this season. He's only 2% Fantrax owned. Uh, so he is a uh, low risk add as a free agent with a low reward, but I mean, it's a short term stopgap. Los Angeles Kings have an interesting player. This is my first player on this list, but not the only one, uh, that was drafted in Vancouver this past summer. That's Tobias Bjornfort. Uh, he was picked in the first round 22nd overall, and he has cracked the opening night roster, and his D partner is Drew Doughty. Last time I looked, he was pretty good. He's got an average of 15 minutes time on ice, um, and he's 11% fan tracks owned. I don't think he's got any stats uh, of, of note yet, but uh, it, it's pretty clear to me that Los Angeles uh, likes what they see from him, and they're giving him full-time deployment and a top-pairing role with Doughty, and they're giving him good minutes. Uh, so that does look like a long-term play. Minnesota Wild added Kevin Fiala. And he is 36% Fantrax owned. He doesn't have any points yet this season, but he uh, looked good for the Wild last year. And he's been playing on a top line with Mika Koivu and Jason Zucker. Um, so great opportunity, but a slow start. 36% owned. Um, if you can add and drop players at will, uh, I would look at Fiala. I think this is an opportunity to get a player before he starts producing points and add him to your roster. Because uh, once once he starts clicking, uh, that 36% number is going to grow. Montreal Canadiens have um, Suzuki, who has been looking really great in the preseason, uh, cracked the roster, uh, playing on a line mainly with Domi and Lekkonen. Um, hasn't got any points so far this season, zero points in two games played. He says this is his first pro season, so they can play him more than nine games if they want to. They don't have to worry about uh, burning a year of his contract and then sending him back to junior. Uh, they can send him to the AHL, and that's where he will go if he doesn't stick with the Habs roster. Zero points in two games. Uh, I don't think that he's going to play the whole season there, but while he's there, um, he does have good long-term value. Uh, moving on to the National Predators, Dante Fabro is a player that uh, when I was on Keeping Carlson, Elon was really keen to learn about this guy. And for good reason. So he's made the National Predators in a top six role, filling in a vacancy left by Subban in the offseason. He's partnered with Matthias Ekholm. He doesn't have any points in two games yet, and he is 41% Fantrax owned. But he's playing a pretty prominent role, 12 to 19 minutes a night as his time on ice in the couple of games that he's played so far. And I really do believe he's just going to stick in that top four roster all season long and just kind of cut his teeth in the NHL. Long term, uh, look for him to get some significant power play minutes in the future, and he'll steal them away from some of the guys that are getting it now once they start aging out. New Jersey Devils have so many players that I love and want to talk about. Jesper Bratt, but uh, 
I, I got to go with the goose, Nikita Gusev. Um, even though he's 87% fan track zoned, he's been uh, jumping around on lines a little bit, but the last time I looked, his deployment was with Hall and Heischer. He's got uh, two points so far this season. Um, no, sorry, one goal in two games uh, this season. Uh, he's on power play two. Um, I really do think that he's going to have a very impactful fantasy season. So if he's available in your league, get him. If someone owns him and they're, they're not too hip to how valuable he is, uh, try and trade for him. Think you're getting a player as valuable as Panarin is. New York Islanders uh, going to the defense here. Uh, Devin Taves is a player that uh, I've spoke a couple times about, and I think this is a season he plays full-time in the NHL. He's been lights out in the AHL for a few seasons now. He's been partnered with Mayfield. Uh, two games, two points. He's only 44% fan tracks owned, so take the look up for Devin Taves. No relation to Jonathan Taves. Name is spelt the same way, though. New York Rangers' Adam Fox coming out of NCAA. Uh, he's been paired with Brady Shea. Uh, zero points in two games, 51% fan tracks owned. Talk about him on my last episodes and on Keeping Carlson as well. Check those out. He's, uh, I think he's there to stay. It'll be interesting to see when Rykov comes back, if, if that does anything, especially if Fox is slow out of the gate. And after two games, he kind of has been. But uh, the Hobie Baker finalist is, uh, I think, good enough to play a full regular season with the New York Rangers. Ottawa Senators, again, a team that has a lot of options. Um, you, you could talk Brandstrom, we could talk Batherson, and I have talked about those guys on previous episodes. So now I'm going to shine the spotlight away from them and put it on Vitaly Abramov. This is a player I really, really like. Saw him play with Gatineau, and he's a strong player, strong on the puck. He's a little bit uh, compact in size. Great wheels, great hands, laser of a shot, nose for the net. Um... Very, very, very elusive and quick on his feet. Uh, his hands keep up with him, and he thinks the game at a similar rate as well. All those things translate really well to the NHL. He got called up recently, uh, like yesterday, and he's only 12% fan tracks owned. And at yesterday's practice, he was on a line with Tierney and Bobby Ryan. Um, so about as good as it can get in Ottawa in terms of deployment. So take a look for Abramov. I'm not suggesting that he's going to play the full season and be a Calder candidate, but... I really like this player, and I think you should maybe watch the next Sens game and see how he looks and make up your own mind. Philadelphia Flyers. Twarnski is the player I'm looking at here. Uh, he was a bit of a surprise to make the team. A lot of people had penciled in Frost or Farabee, uh, top prospects for the Flyers to make it, and uh, Twarnski beat him out. He's being deployed with uh, JVR and Scott Lawton. He's got one game played. Philadelphia is overseas, so they're going to be slow to start playing games this season. He's only 2% Fantrax owned, and I noticed when I was looking at uh, Julie Robenheimer's Twitter feed, they had a question to her. She was traveling with, uh, with Russ and Shane, and the question was, who's a potential sleeper breakout player this year? And Russ's answer was Twarnski. So look him up in Philadelphia. And next up is the Pittsburgh Penguins. And back to the blue line for the Pens. I like uh, Marcus Peterson there as their uh, young player. He's got a couple seasons under his belt, but he's still a little bit on the young side. He's been paired with Schultz uh, and power play too. He's got uh, one goal in two games. He's got six hits for all the uh, the Roto Leagues and bangers and mash. Keeping Carlson. He's 29% fan track zoned. 
San Jose Sharks. Uh, so I looked at the San Jose Sharks, and they got three guys. And I couldn't narrow it down because they got some injuries there. Uh, Kane's been suspended. So some of these guys are going to get sent down. But for now, uh, Daniel uh, Yurtekayan, Lucas Radil, and Lean Bergman, which is a great name, uh, have all made the opening roster for the Sharks. Uh, so some of these guys are going to get cut. So maybe put them all on a watch list. And then once San Jose gets healthy and Kane comes back and we see who sticks and, and who gets sent to the minors, uh, then obviously make your decision at that point. St. Louis Blues. Here's another one of my fantasy hockey fails. I had Samuel Blaise on my, my team that I inherited at the end of last season. Not knowing enough about him, I... Uh, I moved him around. Uh, I had a number of players who had minor eligibility, and I kind of looked at all of them. I had about four or five guys, and I'm like, this guy could be with the team. He could be in the minors. He's got minor eligibility, blah, blah, blah. So I put them all up on the trade block to see what I could uh, do, and uh, someone bid on Blaze, so I moved him. Now he's playing uh, regularly with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. He's got two games played. He's got two goals and three points and 12 hits in that span. He's just been lights out, and his contract is is pretty small too. He's only 21% Fantrax owned. So while I'm kicking myself for letting this player go for at what I'm sure is below value, uh, there's an opportunity for everyone else out there to capitalize on on him and add him to your roster now. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning struggled to find a guy here too. Carter Verhaeg is uh, who I picked. He's playing with Tyler Johnson and Matthew Joseph. Uh, had a breakout season in the AHL last year after bouncing around from a couple of teams. It's um, a prospect in their system. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to stick in Tampa Bay or have any kind of fantasy impact, but in three games, he's got one assist. He's only 9% fan tracks owned. So if you're in a deep league, why wouldn't you take a shot on him? The Toronto Maple Leafs obviously have Andreas Johnson and uh, and Nico or Sammy Kapanen. Uh, so they're widely owned in, across all leagues though, uh, rightfully so getting top six deployment with all-star players on an offensive juggernaut like Toronto. However, Ilya Mikhaev, a player who I've also spoke about on this podcast before is only 32% fan tracks owned. He's playing on a line with Kerfoot and Moore, and he's got three points in his first three games. And from what I've seen, he's looked pretty damn good. Uh, I think it's, it's pretty safe to say he's going to be a regular on the roster for the entire season. Uh, Mike Babcock worked really hard at recruiting him after watching him play uh, as he was doing international tournaments, coaching and scouting. And uh, his hard recruiting seems to have paid off real, real well. Vancouver Canucks. A uh, couple options to go with here on the Canucks, but I went with Adam Gaudet. Despite the fact that he doesn't have any points, I really like what I've seen from him. Uh, in the, the little small samples that I've seen, uh, he looked great in the preseason. The regular season game I saw him play against uh, Calgary, uh, I thought he was he was involved in the play. He didn't produce on the scoreboard, but uh, I thought he was, like I said, in the play. He's playing with Levo uh, and Sutter, um, and he's only 13% fan tracks owned. So take a look for Adam Gaudet coming out of uh NCAA was where he played, and, and he was a prolific scorer and, and a Hobie Baker finalist there. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights, obvious choice here, Cody Glass. Their first overall pick, a big sixth overall or fifth overall, whatever it was. He's made the team in a top six role, centering Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. 
That, that's fantastic deployment. And he's only 53% Fantrax owned. Not only is he being deployed in a top six role in two games, he's got a goal and seven face-off wins. So he's producing stats out of the gate. Minor, uh, not minor eligible uh, in terms of going back to junior, but he could get sent to the AHL. Although I highly, highly doubt that. The Vegas doesn't have a super deep prospect pool, so they don't really have anyone else who I think would be more impactful than Glass. Uh, he's there to stay, and he is a legit Calder candidate. Uh, one goalie made the list. That's Washington Capitals' uh, Ilya Samsonov. He's uh, backing up in Washington right now, and to Braden Holpe, uh, he has dislodged uh, Phoenix Copley, much to my chagrin, who I own in my league, uh, but he won his first NHL game the other day, he got only allowed one goal, he's only 38% Fantrax owned, um, so I don't think it's unreasonable to think that he will legitimately challenge Holpe for starts, and if Holpe gets an injury, then obviously all the starts go to Samsonov. And last but not least, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, Vili Hanola. He is the other player who made this list that was just drafted in Vancouver. He was a first-round pick 20th overall, so 20th and 22nd overall picks um, from the 2019 draft have made opening night rosters. Uh, Hanola is perhaps the beneficiary of some massive turnover on Winnipeg's blue line, and even if Bufflin does come back and play there, or if they trade him and get other defensive assets in return, I think Hanola has proven himself to be, uh, at this point, worthy of staying on the roster. He's got two points in three games, and he's being paired with uh, Neil Pionk uh, in a top-pairing role and on second power play unit. Um, so there's an opportunity for him in Winnipeg. Even if Winnipeg shores up their blue line, I think they've got some other players there who will be deployed to the AHL before him. So again, only 23% fan track zoned. So that's it for my little spiel. Uh, I'm going to cut out now, and then I'm going to come back, and we're going to talk a little NCAA and prospects with uh, Julie Robbenheimer. Back on Dauber Prospects, and now I am very excited to be joined by my next guest, someone who I've been hoping to have on for, for some time now, and we were able to finally connect, and I'd like to welcome Julie Robenheimer to the podcast. How are you doing, Julie? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm very good. Um, so you might know Julie from uh, such exploits as EP Rinkside. She writes for The Athletic, New York Times. Uh, she was a staff writer for Hockey Buzz for some time, and she also covers prospects for a number of NHL teams. So needless to say, she's quite qualified. And welcome to the podcast, Julie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My absolute pleasure. Uh, now, before we start going into talking about um, college players, uh, you've also just launched your own podcast as well. Uh, you've got two episodes out, and I just caught them the other day, and I have to say, I really loved them. Well, I thank you for listening. <laughs> um, it's definitely something that um, people have been asking me to do for many years, and I've just had so much on my plate that I didn't really have um, opportunity to really do it right. And so I kind of focused on it this summer in terms of what I wanted to do, how I wanted it to run, what I wanted to talk about, coming up with a name for it, which is not your normal hockey podcast because it's not normal. And um, I, I decided that I was going to launch it this year. And 
you know, for me, it's an opportunity to just showcase some of the interviews that I do that I cannot um, do an article on. Um, you know, it doesn't really fit into a hole for, for, you know, a particular market or a particular outlet, but it's so great information. And um, that was one of the things that I've had over the past couple of years is just this an abundance of content and nowhere to really put it. So I thought um, in trying to figure that out, I could kind of solve two things with one in that and having a podcast, which what fans were asking for, um, and then finding a home for my content. So it was a little bit of the best of both worlds. Well, thanks for doing it because I really enjoyed listening to it. And some of the things that really resonated with me was um, on your introduction podcast, you talked about how you became a hockey fan and <laughs> just hearing stories about, you know, being a kid and just loving the game. Um, some of those stories really resonated with me. And an episode that uh, we did recently on, on Dauber Prospects was, um, I get, and I'm sure you do, uh, even more so is people asking you about how do I get into the hockey business? How do I be a scout? How do I be a writer? And your second episode really focused on that. Um, so for anyone who listened to that episode on uh, Dauber Prospects, where I gave some unqualified advice on how to get into scouting, <laughs> be, be sure to listen to uh, to Not Your Normal Hockey Podcast with Julie. And uh, and she'll give you some, some more of the, the tips and tricks and insight and what it takes uh, that you might be looking for. Um, so one of the things that you're most known for, I would say, would possibly be NCAA and prospects coming out of college hockey. And I get a lot of questions about it. And it's hard for me in Canada to watch college hockey because obviously I, I can't drive to a game um, without crossing a border and a long road trip. And it's just not readily available on TV up here. TSN um, broadcasts some games. And for a while there, I subscribed to Big Ten. So I was able to get a couple of games a season um, that way. And they show the Beanpot Tournament, which I absolutely love. But uh, I'd like to count on your expertise to talk a little bit about NCAA prospects for the listeners here. Sure, absolutely. All right. What do you so, want to know? <laughs> <laughs> everything. Uh, no, seriously, though, a couple specific questions that I think we should uh, uh, look at in would be seeing as this is uh, focused on fantasy hockey, uh, who are you looking at as some of this season's NCAA breakout scores? Well, first, I think it's important to talk about the freshmen that are coming in. There are many guys that I think are going to make an impact um, on their respective teams. There are three freshmen in particular that I think will be an impact on the score sheet that might be of interest to your listeners. So uh, the first that I have is uh, Bobby Brink. He is at the University of Denver and um, a prospect of the Philadelphia Flyers selected, I think the first pick, second, th top five in the second round. <laughs> That's what I remember. Um, very good player. He's going to help drive the offense for Denver. They are a run and gun kind of team. So if Coach Carl loosens up the reins on him and allows him to just go for it, he will have a tremendous freshman season for the Pioneers. Another guy that we talk a lot about uh, because he's at the U.S. National Team Development Program, and that's Alex Turcott. He's at the University of Wisconsin, draft pick of the L.A. Kings. He's another guy that will put up a ton of points. And you better watch him this year if you want to see him 
play college hockey because, in my opinion, there is a very good chance that he will only play one year in college hockey. Um, if things go the way many people expect them to go, he is a bigger body. Um, he has the skill necessary. He could be a one-and-done type player. So um, I'm expecting big things out of him this year. Um, another freshman is, of course, Cole Caulfield. I have no clue how he fell into Montreal's lap at the draft, but he did, and they are loving it. He's another guy going to be at Wisconsin. I'm excited. I'm going to see both um, him and Alex play this weekend in Boston as Wisconsin uh, goes uh, east to play Boston College as part of their non-conference schedule. So um, I'm super excited about those three players, and I think that they will make a big impact on the score sheet. Another set of three, they're all sophomores, that I think kind of had, um, I'm going to call them introductory freshman years. You know, like they were good players, but they came in with a little more uh, fanfare behind them in terms of their offensive capabilities. And I feel like they just kind of needed to get their feet in the water and feel things out before they could really say, okay, this is what I need to do in order to be successful at this level in taking a step. Um, and I think now heading into their sophomore year, they're going to be exponentially better. Um, and I think there's potential to see all three of them at the world junior championship um, this December as well. So the first one is Blake McLaughlin. He came in out of Minnesota high school with a little bit of experience in the uh, USHL as well. Um, but he was supposed to be a super offensive guy. And the challenge for him is that he was super light. Like he was just a pushover for lack of a better term. He was so easy to knock off the puck and he, you can't do anything if you don't have the puck. So that was something that he worked on during last season, especially in this off season. And if what we saw at the world junior summer showcase is any indication he is ready to go. So I'm super excited about what he can do um, at Minnesota. He was drafted this year. Um, um, I don't remember. I think it was Anaheim, if I remember correctly. Uh, maybe you can check that while I'm talking. But um, so he is going to be a guy that because now that he's filled out his body a little bit more, he's a little stronger on his skates. He can uh, use his body a little more, uh, play more physical in the dirty areas, battle for that puck possession. And he's just going to be a lot more effective with the puck because he's going to have the puck on his stick. So I expect him to have a bit of a breakout sophomore year. Another guy in Minnesota is Sampo Ranta, and he is um, a draft pick of the Colorado Avalanche. And another guy who last year was a little too light, needed to add some strength to his game. Uh, he was the last cut on Finland's roster for last year's World Junior team that won gold. So he is super, super motivated, not only to have a great sophomore season for the Gophers, but to be a key part for this Finnish team as they look to go for back-to-back -back gold medals at the World Juniors. And again, he had another dominant um, World Junior Summer Showcase. So I'm excited about uh, him and what he can bring to the table. Because again, last year for Minnesota, was a bit of a rebuilding year. They needed to like retool and load up. And um, they thought they did it with the talent that they brought in, but that talent needed a little bit of seasoning and experience. So I think we we're going to see them explode this season. And then another guy that a lot of people don't talk about is Ruslan Isakov. And um, he plays at UConn. He was a early second round pick. I think he was 34th overall, early second round pick 
of the New York Islanders. And he is an itty bitty. He's only 5'8". And I think he weighs 150 pounds with all of his equipment on. So this guy last year was adjusting to the college game, playing against older, bigger, stronger guys. And he really literally needed to find his footing and uh, figure out what he needed to do. But he is such a good skater and so elusive and incredibly skilled. Like every game that I saw um, him play at UConn last year, he, he did magical things with the puck. It may not have always resulted in a goal, but man, he is super fun to watch. And if they can kind of get it together and use him in a good way, which I think they will, I don't know this for sure because I haven't been paying attention to any of their practice lines, but um, he has a friend in um, uh, Fierstov who was also drafted this year. I don't remember who by but um, another thing and uh, if they get on the line together they'll have some instant chemistry um, and you'll really be able to see both of them use their speed and their creativity and their skills and it will be magical for UConn so we'll see uh, what they decide to do with them um, with those guys uh, um, so those are the guys that I think would be primed for big things on the score sheet this year I'm super excited um, to see what they can do. And then, of course, this week, there's a lot of chatter about Greg Prince. Um, he's a junior at Providence. He scored four goals in their one game this weekend, uh, which is pretty fantastic considering he only had 18 points last year. So he is it? on pace. What was his name? Gre Greg Prince. Greg Prince, P-R-I-N-T-Z, out of Providence. So a lot of people are are – you know, excited about what potentially he could bring. But again, you know, a lot of people were asking, is this a big surprise? And I said, okay, well, here's the thing. So many guys that come in and play college hockey that people pay attention to are big name guys. They don't always necessarily pay attention to the late bloomers because they are in fact late bloomers. So Greg could definitely be a late bloomer. This could be a fluke, totally, 100%. Not every day you score four goals. But is this an indication of what he could potentially bring? And especially uh, now that he's an older uh, player, an upperclassman, earning more minutes, having more opportunities. Of course, if you're on the ice more, you're playing with better players. Opportunities for you to score are much higher. So it's, it's all just um, the, the roller coaster ride of being a late bloomer. And he's stepping into these possibilities and taking advantage of it. And really for Nate Lehman, the head coach at Providence, it's all you can ask for from players like this, you know, to step in, fill a role and surprise the heck out of everybody. So he's one guy that a lot of people are, are asking about this week. Um, so we'll, we'll see if his uh, scoring rate continues, although four goals a game is a really high bar. So <laughs> it is, it is, but well, Hey, if you can keep it up, you're going to get, yeah. you're going to get some attention. Um, we'll settle for a point per, point per game player out of him yeah i'm sure he would too uh so that's very interesting and it's a really nice he's a really nice segue to uh to something else i want to talk to you about um exactly what you just said a lot of the high profile players like your turcots and, and caulfields they get a lot of attention and, and rightfully so but every year there's a number of of players who go through uh their entire uh ncaa college career at having gone never been drafted and and in their fourth year they they have their, their biggest season, of course, and they're up at the top of the league scoring, and they garner a lot of attention from 
NHL GMs as free assets that they can sign as a free agent. It's like a free draft pick. Uh, Taro Hirose oh, yeah. is a great example of a player that is going to have uh, a fantasy impact being signed as an undrafted college free agent signee. Do you see anybody uh, in the NCAA ranks this year that um, is an early target for, for the free agent frenzy at the end of the year? The number one name, there's two, really. But there's really just one that I think every NHL team will sniff around this year. And that's Mark Michaelis at, the, uh, at Minnesota State University. And a lot of hockey fans, casual hockey fans, I should say, um, don't know him because he went to, uh, I believe it was Minnesota's uh, development camp after his freshman year. And he said it was a wonderful experience and he learned a lot and he was grateful for the opportunity, but that, that after that year, he was so um, inundated with interview requests from scouts wanting to talk to him that he said, no more. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not going to go to any summer camps. I'm not going to do these conversations. When I'm ready to make a decision on whether I'm going to leave school, then we can talk. And it was just because it was just too much of a distraction. He, he would have to, you know, stop stretching to go talk to somebody. And he's like, this is, this is not good for me or my development, especially for a guy like him, because he's a little lighter. He's a little smaller. He needs all the time that he can in order to develop. You know, we talk a lot about the 95 birth year um, out of Germany, which Mark is from Germany. I don't know if I mentioned that, but he's from Germany. And and so he's part of that 95 birth year with Leon Dreisaitl and Frederick Tiffels and Dominic Cahoon and Marcus Eisenschmied. And there are just so many really good players. Um, Nico Sturm, who was last year's big free agent signing out of Clarkson uh, with Minnesota. So, you know, th this is all part of the same crew of 95 birth years coming out of Germany. And, um, you know, he's like, I just want to focus on hockey right now when I'm ready to turn pro then we can have these conversations and it's worked out for him really really well I mean he has just worked so hard and has improved so much he was a member of team Germany at the world championships this past May um, so he's he's been given a lot of opportunities you know they they made it into the quarterfinals um, which was uh, really a tough battle with the host team Slovakia so they had some really good games um, he played very well in the opportunities that he had, and he's going to be captain at Minnesota State. So, you know, just a lot of um, good things to say about him and what he could potentially bring to a team, um, both on and off the ice at the NHL level. So he's, he, in my opinion, is going to be the top dog. Another guy that uh, people are talking about is Johnny Walker out of Arizona State University, and I've got a feature on him on um, Elite Prospects, and his story is incredible. So he is um, an Arizona native uh, right in Scottsdale, and um, as soon as Arizona State said that they were going Division One, he was knocking on Greg Power's door saying, I want to play for this team. And Greg told him, not in that shape you aren't. He was... 50 pounds, 5-0 overweight. 
And he said, you need to get your, you need to get your butt in shape. If you get your butt in shape and you work hard, then we'll, we'll talk. So the first year, I think he lost like maybe just 10 pounds. I have to go back and check, but I think he lost just about 10 pounds. And then, um, you know, had another conversation and he said, no, if I take my shirt off and you take your shirt off, I look better than you. And I'm a good 20 years older than you. You, This is not how this is supposed to work. So, you know, he said, okay. And he went to work and, and he really, I I think in that one year um, in junior, he lost 20 to 25 pounds just in conditioning. Like he, he was 230 and he couldn't skate. He was overweight, had to, was carrying too, literally was carrying too much weight and couldn't right. skate. And, um, but he always had the skills. So he said, if you figure this out, we'll talk. And so fortunately he figured it out, um, offered him a spot on the team and he has run with it. I mean, he's, he was one of the scoring leaders in um, the NCAA last year. And a lot of people argue that if he had the opportunity to uh, play in the playoffs, uh, conference playoffs, con- you know, championship weekend, that he would have won the scoring title. Um, you know, he, they just didn't play enough games for him to have that opportunity. Um, but he scored 23 goals last year. They're expecting big things out of him again this year. I know NHL teams were um, interested at the end of last season. But again, another player who's like, nope, I'm not ready. Like when I um, feel that I am ready to not only like make or compete for a spot on an NHL team, but earn one and be successful and stay there that's when I'm going to go. And so I, I, I know that he's worked even harder this off season um, to put himself in a position to be successful and to earn those opportunities at the end of the year. So those are, are two guys that are, are really at the top. Um, and then there are a couple other guys, uh, Mitchell Chafee out of UMass. He's another guy, big body, six foot, 200, 210 pounds, point per game player, had a great um, season at UMass last year, obviously, you know, so many guys for that team did. Um, I know we had opportunities uh, to go to uh, development camps over the summer. So I know that he learned a lot as well. So he's looking to have a big year for UMass and um, earn himself that opportunity. Another one is Alex Limoge um, at Penn State. He plays on a line with um, Evan Barrett and Liam Folks, they were one of the most potent offensive lines last year in college hockey. They all returned this year, so I'm looking for big things out of him. He also had 23 goals, uh, 50 points this year, and I think in only like 38, I think, games. Um, so he's going to be a good one to keep your eyes on. Another big body as well. Um, I think he's 6'1", 200-ish pounds. And then another guy that is so far off most people's radar, but I stinking love him, and that's Jacob Schmidt-Svedstrup out of the University of Maine. He was uh, flip-flopping between their top two lines last year, but he's a big body. His biggest uh, complaint from a, a scouting perspective is his skating. And I really think that it was just um, – you know, a, an opinion that people formed very early on in his career that he hasn't been able to shape, even though he has done so much from the uh, in terms of improving his skating skills and, and what he's been able to add in other parts of his game. You know, I, I feel like when I saw him play in the USHL, 
to um, last year as a freshman, I feel like he doubled in size. Like he just was like massive. Uh, so he's added this physical element to his game that allows him to be so much more effective in terms of playing the body, creating separation on the deals and earn those offensive opportunities. So I'm excited to see what he brings this year as well. I think he could earn a couple looks. Um, and then, of course, those are all free agent guys, but then there's a handful of seniors this year that are really, really good that are good because they've been there four years, and some of them have even had um, a fifth year because they played junior before they went to college that, that could potentially be free agents as well. So I think the free agent market this year in college hockey could be very, very interesting. One more player I want to ask you about that it's not a – uh, senior, but uh, he's a player that I absolutely love and I love to cheer for. And um, I know a lot of people do. And I've, I even had some questions about him on the podcast before. And that's uh, Sean Doogie. Um, where do you see his future as a professional hockey player going? Do you think has, I love Sean. Yeah. Do you think he has the, the chance to make it? I think he does only out of sheer will. Right. Like he is a Bitfire. I love him too. So, and he's an itty bitty for people who are, are new to the Sean Doogie party. Um, he's like five, three and 130, maybe 140 pounds. Like he's small. Um, but yeah. I will say this, he plays like he is seven, three, like he has no clue how small he is. Right. No Every, clue. Everyone knows it. It, but doesn't, him. it doesn't face him at all. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't face him at all. And and he puts up really good numbers. And again, being able to play uh, with the the kind of talent that Wisconsin is going to have this year, I think it's only going to make Sean better. So I, he's a guy that I think is exciting to, to watch. And I think people are so confused by him and how he can do the things that he can do while being so small. And truly, I think that's the only reason he wasn't drafted. I was talking to uh, Wisconsin's head coach, Tony Granato, about this because, you know, we thought that he would be drafted in his second year eligible, uh, and then we thought he'd be drafted um, this past year um, as well. So there's a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of buzz around Sean Doogie this year. So it's exciting to see what he could do uh, with, like I said, like with the talent around him. But he's, yeah, you're right. I love him too. He's fabulous. Yeah, I hope he has a breakout season and um, maybe gets an invitation in the summer to uh, some sort of prospect or rookie camp and just, all right, you know, that team's seen enough. Here's a contract, pal. Let's let's put pen to paper kind of thing. Um, okay, one more question I wanted to ask you is, uh, and we kind of touched on this a little bit with some players who you think will be, you know, you said one and done, and that seems to be a popular thing in the NCAA these days as it's becoming more and more of a prominent feeder league to the NHL. Um, so one and done or two and done or three and done or four and done, regardless of how many years they've played in the NCAA, who are some players you think are surefire bets uh, who people might've been sitting on in their prospect pool for maybe a year or two, uh, but surefire bets to graduate to the NHL next year. Well, I don't know that he's really going to help you in fantasy, but on the ice is going to be amazing. And that's uh, Dylan Sandberg out of Minnesota Duluth. He's a draft pick of the Winnipeg Jets, and he is your classic stay-at-home stud defenseman, get the job done. So I don't know that he's going to help you get too many points, 
Um, but I think I, I just, I don't see how it's possible that he makes it to his senior year. Um, I, there were so many people who thought that he would leave this year, um, especially after Duluth winning back-to-back uh, -back titles. So, um, you know, he, he is my number one surefire. There is no way he's coming back for his senior year. Um, and that's Dylan Sandberg. Uh, if we stick with the same school, Minnesota Duluth also has Scott Perunovich. He's a smaller defenseman, offensive-minded, so completely different player. He is drafted by St. Louis. I think he is going to have another fantastic season for the Bulldogs um, and will earn an opportunity there. But again, he was a late uh, – he was drafted in his second year, uh, second draft year. So he has the luxury, or at least the Blues have the luxury of – him staying in school a little longer if they so choose. Um, another guy that I think will earn uh, opportunity is Evan Barrett out of Penn State, just, you know, lighting the college hockey world on fire with his offense. So if he continues to do that, again, a lot of people thought that last year might have been a fluke. Uh, so if he can do that again and, and show that he can consistently bring that effort, I think Chicago will want to put pen to paper on him. Alex Turk. I think is the freshman that is the most likely to be a one-and-done player. I talked about him earlier at Wisconsin. And another Wisconsin player that I think um, could see the end of his college career, uh, and that's Keandre Miller. He's a sophomore at Wisconsin. He is a two-way uh, defenseman. And what's interesting about him, a lot of people, again, were saying, oh, he should sign, he should sign. But he just recently, like three, four, three and a half, three, four years ago, became a defenseman. So he's still kind of learning the position and shoring up the defensive side of his game, which is super important, A, because you're a defenseman, and B, because you're going to be playing in the NHL. So I think if he is um, going to have another consistent, good season, he's going to have the opportunity to really – bolster that blue line for Team USA at the World Junior Championships this year. So he's just going to have a lot of opportunity to showcase himself and what he can do, um, especially with Wisconsin um, and the potential they have to go far this year. So those are guys that I would keep my eyes on. And then, of course, you have a handful of seniors. Now, these are the guys that I uh, mentioned earlier that they could potentially become free agents as well, just because they've been around for so long. Um, the first one that I really like um, is uh, Ryan Shea out of Northeastern. He is their captain this year, and he is just a bamf and locks down their blue line. He does so many things that you don't even notice because he does them so well that he just, like, gets the puck and transitions it. And you, it's like you didn't even know he had it on his stick. So um, he's just really good at using his size, using his vision. Um, and just being super decisive with his decisions. So um, he's one guy. Another one is Tanner Lazinski. A lot of people in Philadelphia are wondering, you know, kind of what his potential is going to be like. He's at OSU. Uh, so uh, another Philly draft pick is Wade Allison out of Western Michigan, offensive dynamo, um, really, really scary. But again, these are guys that have said that they're committed to their teams, but, you know, they do have the option if they so choose uh, to do that. And then there are two other guys that I want to mention. Um, one is David Cotton out of Boston College. He is a Carolina draft pick. 
um, another big body, 6'2", 200 pounds. He had 23 goals last year, and he is also your quintessential late bloomer. Like, there wasn't a lot of buzz about him his first two years. He broke out with a big year last year, looking to follow it up with another big year this year. Um, and then, of course, when you do that, opportunities open up for you. And then, finally, the big man, Nikita Pavlishev. He's like 6'6", 220 pounds. He can skate really, really well. He is um, – I guess you would say he's like your second or third line guy, but he provides a lot of what I call the meat and potatoes to a line. Last year, he played a lot with Arnie Talvidi, who is the um, draft pick uh, out of New Jersey, who captained Team Finland last year. Uh, but they played a lot together um, before Arnie um, busted up his knee in the gold medal game at World Juniors. So I'm curious to see if they'll be put on a line together again this year, um, simply because they just made so much magic together because they're both incredibly hard workers. So um, Pavlishev is a Pittsburgh draft pick, and they're super excited about him, not only because of the size that he brings, but the skill and the compete. Like, he works so, so hard. So it's one thing to be big and not really willing to use it, but he definitely uses his size to his advantage. Um, so those are all guys that I'm excited to see that could earn opportunities this year uh, that will help them uh, prepare for success at the next level, which could potentially be the NHL next year. Wow. That is amazing, amazing stuff. Thank you very much. One last question for you. Um, sure. And I talked about this in an earlier segment. I have to ask you about it is uh, I was talking about draft eligible prospects because NHL uh, central scouting released their players to watch list. And there's an NCAA player that made the A grade, which doesn't happen very often. Yes. Right? Because, you know, you got to be a little bit older to get into college and you got to be under 18 to get drafted for your first year. Uh, But obviously I'm talking about Dylan Holloway. Um, Yeah. I don't know anything about this prospect. So what are the good Uh, on him? He is so good. (laughs) Um, He's another guy I'm excited. It's part of the reason why I wanted to go to this Wisconsin game at Boston College on on, uh, Friday. Um, he is so skilled and such a good skater. Um, you know, he was kind of like hiding, uh, uh, last year, I think in the what team I'll have to double check that, but, um, it's either the AJ or the BC. I don't remember. Um, but such a good skater. He has an opportunity with hockey Canada this year at the world juniors as well. Um, he didn't show all that well um, at the World Junior Summer Showcase, but I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that um, they just didn't know all that much about him and didn't really know how to use him. So I'm super excited to see what he does at Wisconsin because Tony Granado loves him, is going to put a lot of uh, ice time uh, for him and and put him in situations where the puck is going to be on his stick has so I'm really excited to see what he does definitely someone worth getting excited about man I really enjoyed listening to you talk college hockey Julie and it makes me wish I could watch more of it uh easier here up in Canada um so again for everyone that uh has been listening if you're not familiar with Julie uh now you are uh and you can find her writing um on EP ringside uh you can sign up for an athletic membership and catch her there as well she covers international hockey for the New York Times 
um, and a number of NHL teams. She covers prospects for them too. So she's all over the place. Uh, she's easy to find. Um, what's your Twitter handle, Julie? Julie Robenheimer. R-O-B-E-N-H-Y-M-E-R, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Uh, she's also a fun follow on Instagram because uh, she travels the world watching <laughs> hockey and she likes to share uh, photos of her adventures around the world, which makes me jealous. Um, but I love looking at them. So thank yeah. you for sharing all of that, Julie. And thank you so much for um, giving me some time today. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. You're welcome. No problem. I enjoyed it. I always love talking hockey. So right. anytime. All right. Thanks again to Julie Robinheimer for guesting with me on this episode of Dauber Prospects Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. If you do, you know, go ahead and hit the uh, subscribe button on whatever podcast uh, streamer you're listening to on iTunes or Apple or SoundCloud or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever it is. Hit the uh, the five star rating. Help make this podcast a little bit more discoverable. And uh, if you really want to do me a solid, go ahead and share it on Twitter or social media or wherever uh, you might be inclined to do so. And uh, if you have any questions or uh, concerns about prospects, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at DPR underscore show or at Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. I uh, love to answer prospect questions. And uh, if you have anything that you want to hear on a future episode, a topic or a guest, please also feel free to make said suggestion. And uh, you never know, whatever might happen. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you in the rink.